Welcome to Northern Goal. I am Benji. I am your northern host in Alaska, BYU fan. With me, Jake. With, with me as always is Jake. I am your goal host, the Utah, <laughs> yes. the Utah fan. And I make up the goal. Benji makes up the north, Northern Goal. And we're we're just gonna talk over our intro music here for. Here we go, BYU fans. Let me hear it. All right, that's enough enough of that. What a bad, stupid bad day. We haven't had a bad day all year. Dude, and then we think went about, and we think had about a, just a how, stupid, stupid day. Think about how, like, they always say football is a game of inches. Your bad day was, like, a foot away from being a magnificent, incredible, amazing, memorable day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Dude, it's, the, it's crazy. Right away, instantly, Utah fans that follow your players into the pros can relate. Tennessee Titans, two thousand. Yep. Uh, was it ninety nine? Two thousand. Two thousand. Uh, it was the. It was the ninety. It was the two thousand Super Bowl because I yeah. was on my mission. I had just gotten to the mission field, right? I I went out in December of ninety nine, and yeah. I was in Marion, Ohio. Was my training area, and we were walking back into our apartment. <laughs> And my my uh, mission companion was like super stickler rules guy, and I was I was pretty obedient, you know. I, I, I when it came to sports though, I I I I would uh, I was it was hard sometimes. So anyway, we're walking back into our apartment, and the neighbors next to us like elders. The Super Bowl's got thirty seconds left. It's come watch this. And I was like I was new. I was like I'm going in. And he's like elder, you're not going. I was like I'm going in. So I went in and watched watched that play happen. But my my companion, Elder Schneidman, he was he went out a little later. He was 28 years old, so he was nine years older than me at that time. That's a huge difference, right? He was right. nine years older than me, and so he stood next to the TV looking at me, <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't watch it. So I had I was watching the game all the time with my companion, or the last you know minute or whatever, watching it as he stood next to it looking at me. And man, that was crazy ending. Did did you forfeit blessings he did not forfeit that you then realized later? I, I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to go through the books of heaven and accounting there, see what and blessings I, out there. I missed <laughs> that out was on. A, if I remember right, that was Dyson, right? Former it youth? was Kevin Dyson, yes, Kevin sir. Dyson. Yeah. Kevin Dyson. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember who the Titans quarterback was, but... Threw it there at the goal line. He got tackled right at the one, reached for it, was a few inches short. Very similar to your yeah. your man Dax Milne. And wow, I will say man. that was as a as a semi unbiased advisor or um, unbiased observer. I'm not totally unbiased, obviously, because I'm a, a rival fan. But it was it was super entertaining. And when he hit the guy when he first caught it, I was like, oh my gosh. They're gonna win this because it looked like he yeah. had to, he could get in there and he got tackled and I yelled out "Holy crap!" from the basement, but maybe said yeah. another word. I'm not sure, but I yelled oh, it yeah. out and <laughs> yeah, it was it was word. insane, man. It was an exciting ending. I'll give you that. Man, it was it. Re- okay, whether or not you're an old Ute fan like like Jake is, if you can't remember the 2000 Super Bowl, you can remember the Utah Jazz playoff from the bubble. Donovan Mitchell. Final second against the Nuggets. That ball spent at least a half second in the hoop. 
before it bounced back out. And a seven-game series, your heart and soul back and forth, everything came down to that. And it was so close that for a moment, we had it. And then we didn't. And that's exactly yeah. how this game ended. Is I, I replay this. I think about this a lot in life. I Years ago, I almost killed myself in a kayak, not on purpose. I was kayaking. May, freezing cold, hypothermia conditions, and I flipped it on this, uh, the, the current, just took the kayak over to these, uh, the stump of a tree, the trunk that was kind of coming out of the water, and it was something where I go back in my mind over and over and over again, if I were a better kayaker, could I have made it through there without having that, just the angles of it, and if it were a hot summer day, I would have gotten out and done it again and again and again and figured that out, but I was about to die, and so I just have to look back and think, could I have done that any differently? And you look at that final play and you think, okay, let alone, okay, Algier, he maybe could have had enough momentum to go there, but, um, you know, and, and who else might have been open? Here's the thing. Zach didn't make a bad decision. I'm not second guessing who he threw it to or how he threw it. If anything, that throw built his NFL resume because it was laser sharp, hit him right exactly where it needed to be in stride with momentum going towards the goal line and you're right when you see that happen you think his momentum will carry him in because he caught that running he just got hit harder you know newton's laws of physics come into play there's multiple guys tackling him and so this is what i wish we could do i wish you could run that simulation over and over and over again and say okay this time plant your right foot and spin to the left okay this time try and hurdle everybody okay this time you know there's there's some universe out there where that that play falls dead in the end zone utah win or be man that's how this is the toll this is taking on me i don't <laughs> so even know for anymore dude yeah, that, that thing about that play in some kind of way like in the spot you were you know i think you're like on the 20 yard line 19 yard line or something right 18 18, 18 yards line, out that was the only play that could have worked i think because yeah. at that point you're far enough away where like you know a crossing route or whatever you're, you know they're gonna stand they're gonna put their feet on the goal line and not let anyone in right Right. Or the other option is is a, a mini Hail Mary, which at that point it's flies up 50-50. Yeah. Honestly, that play that was run was was beautiful because it was like you said, it was a it was thrown on a rope and it was right yeah. in stride, right at the one yard line where he had a chance to make a play, and that's all you can really ask for in that position. It yeah. wasn't something where yeah. on the nine yard line or the eleven yard line. You're about the the eighteen yard line, which is far enough back where you need something like that in it uh it just it just fell short, which is crazy when you think about the the, the the line between you know ecstasy and like devastation. Because it's a four quarter game, you're going up and down the field, you go four hundred yards each, but you needed whatever how many what was your total yardage? Do you remember what you guys ended with? Oh, you know, I, I sometimes I like to go back and delve into that. I, I do believe it was higher than Coastal Carolina got. Like we okay. outgained them in yards. Let's just say four fifty. Yeah, I can't. Just, so you, head, I don't know. you go 450 yards and you're just like devastated because if you had gone 450 and a half yards, it's incredible. You're you're yeah. undefeated still. It's amazing how just that little tiny bit changes the mood so much. Because if it had happened, if you had gone an extra half yard and made it in, then you'd be having things like Mills Miracle thrown around. People would be going <laughs> yeah, yeah. nuts. You know, it'd be nuts. It's, it's just the the heartbreak, the the line between heartbreak and and ecstasy is. So, so small, man. I'm going to, I'm in my office at work and I'm going to show you a piece of art that I have here that's, that's applicable. So getting it off the wall now. All right. Hey, that's a nice chair you got there. Yeah. That's a, that's a Costco gaming chair. It's a, 
I got some advice from Twitter on that. It's, I was asking for office chair recommendations, and and I think Ute Daddy and a couple others were like, "Don't get an office chair, get a gaming chair because they're more comfortable, and it costs a lot less money." And yeah, there's like two hundred bucks at Costco, and, and man, oh, it's nice. elite. It just it looks like it looks like I'm twelve though. It's got the racing blue racing stripe. So, <laughs> all right, now I'm back in my chair. So this right here is a poem by Rudyard Kipling called "If," and there at the bottom. You see, I uh, had used my Photoshop skills, and I put a picture of my house oh, on fire at the bottom of the poem. And so this poem hung in my room when I was a kid, and it also hung in my dad's office. When he moved uh, from one office to a bigger office, We got my brother and I got the uh, old poem hanging in our room. So I read this a lot, and so it stuck with me and is very applicable to a lot of those life's hard lessons. We'll say that. So the line I want to call back here is, if you can make a heap... If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. And so that's that's like a, it's, the whole thing's one big run on sentence and it ends with saying you'll be a man. But that is how I felt about this game. I thought this was a game BYU didn't have to take. It was a risk taking it. And they, they made a heap of all their winnings. And this is a year in which they had winnings. I mean, there was legit, they've been in the national conversation. There was, it's not nothing to risk. They were risking something. And they lost. And <laughs> they're starting their beginnings. And I don't want to say we're, we're all so awesome that we're never breathing a word about our loss. That part we could work on. We were breathing a lot of words <laughs> about that loss. But, but you know what? I love this program. I love that they took the game. Kalani says he doesn't regret taking it. Uh, you know, the players, they, they're just glad they got a chance to compete. And here's the thing from the the sky is not falling department. Uh, how cool is it that likely we end the season in the top 25 and we haven't done that for a long time? You know, this, this isn't a season you can say, oh, man, there goes the season. That's still really cool. fact that we're still ranked in the college football playoff, number 18, even though they were the ones that had given us the most disrespect, they still have us there. That tells me some of them watched that game and said, wow. You can't kick it. You can't kick the team all the way out because they played their hearts out, and it it was just that close. And so, I'm still high on this team. I still love. I mean, a lot of things I love about this team. Cool thing, calling back from last episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, when uh, we had the chance to talk about. I think it was the question from me when we were answering my question about what we love about our programs, and I pointed out how cool it was to see BYU guys helping people up after every play. That was tested this game. Because never before this season have they had a bunch of cheap shots taken at them. And, and a bunch of, you know, just a real chippy game. And you know what? They still responded with class. That that opening drive, second half, when the same guy who was cheap shotting Zach Wilson before halftime, he got the late hit out of bounds. And immediately a swarm of BYU players are all around him. And they're helping him up. They're patting him on the back. That is hard to do. And so that's that's the thing. I look up to these kids, even though I'm I'm old enough to say these kids, like I could be the dad of some of them. I'm not not saying I could be. I'm old enough to be the dad of some of them. <laughs> you're you're not sure are. if you are. Could be. <laughs> well, there's I mean, there are a few nights no. you don't remember what happened, but I agree. <laughs> well, what year were that? That would have been a while back. No, I definitely could not have been. Uh, but I'm old enough that I could have been. Uh, and you know, for me to look, still say that's something I look up to. I mean, that that is a cool thing that they're putting out there. And and I, I know a couple fans weren't happy. Some of the idiot fans out there were like. Yeah, this team doesn't have the mental edge, or no, they're not competitive. They should have really gotten into it. It's like, come on, man. It was just a few years ago that the Miami Beach brawl happened. And that my knee-jerk reaction, that last play before halftime, when I we didn't see initially why 
the scrum happened. We just saw players on the fields from both benches. And I thought, oh, crap, here we go again. We're going to hit the restart button on this narrative that is wrong and outdated. Like, I'm gonna, I just I hate that narrative that BYU is a bunch of dirty players. But as soon as you see something like this, you hit the reset button on for the next 10 years. We're going to have people saying, remember that fight? And anyway, then when we went back and showed the replay and saw what had actually happened, Kafusi, Isaiah Kafusi being the very first one off the bench, and just making sure Zach was okay, and then getting emotional about it post game, talking about what Zach Wilson meant to him as a person. I mean, I I love this team. I love how they love each other. I love that they play with class. I love that you can support this team. And I'm I'm. This is an open invitation to anybody listening that's a Utah fan. You can support this team and not feel guilty about it because man, they just seem like a bunch of good people out there. They're, they're welcome. It's you know buy low, sell high. Our stock's a little bit lower right now. It's time to get on board because we're just we're getting higher. We're going up. Well, I'm I'm gonna pass. I'm not gonna buy that. I, I, <laughs> I cannot I cannot get on board. Um, I've got my own team to worry about. But hey, the, yeah, back, a couple of things. So you you said um, uh, back to when them taking the game. I think it was our last episode we recorded before we had any idea about Coastal Carolina, right? Right. Um, and and we talked about it. Would you play? Would you take a chance and play Cincinnati? That was kind of the, the talking point. Um, and, and we said, listen, if you win out, you're basically at this point almost guaranteed an NY6, right? But we talked about, yeah. do you? this is your shot, like you said. Do you try and cash in everything you can to take that next impossible step, right? And so, yeah, props for doing that because, like you said, they didn't have to. They could have sat out. They could have played San Diego State. They could have gotten 10-0 and and then and then as, that would have been 10, right? Yeah, they would have gotten 10-0 yeah. and, then, and then said – you know, we're going to NY6. This is good. We're happy. But no, you went for something bigger. So you got to get props. And the people that are upset, it's funny because, and, and I, I get it because I'm an emotional fan myself and mm-hmm. I, I'm more mature now than I was 15 years ago. Right. But it's like, it's like, dude, all these people are so upset. They're not tough enough. They didn't do this. It was six inches away from being like all happy vibes, you know? So you can't, yeah. it, the problem is though, it is, it is a win or loss thing. You win or you lose. And that's what you base your, your emotions on so but dude you gotta you gotta look at it man they they fought they played a team that had a crazy offense that you can't they didn't prepare for you couldn't prepare for it didn't have time and they made it a, an entertaining game and that's what it was dude start to finish it was an entertaining game and it was a dramatic ending and you lost to another undefeated team and it is what it is right so many elements of this game just i can't think of a comparable game and that's what's cool and i've, I've been preaching this from the beginning what I love about independence is so many times we get a chance to play an opponent we've never played before. We get to play someone high profile. We get to play in unique locations. Like everything you hope for in a bowl game, we get multiple times a year with the exception of some money. And, you know, there's not no money when we're playing on big TV. You know, there's money there, too. But you get all these the, the trappings of, OK, why do we like bowl games? Like, as somebody who's a member of a conference, you love the chance to face someone new, face someone you've never seen before, be on the big stage, you know, all that stuff. We get that all the time in Independence, and I love it. I wouldn't trade it. I mean, obviously, I'd trade it for P5, obviously. But I I love all those things we can enjoy. The fact that ESPN called up Tom, Tom Homo, and he said, yeah, we didn't have to work through a conference, so it was pretty easy for us to say, we're in, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. right away, we're in. And so I don't I, I think it's really cool. All the other crazy things. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Okay. No. So go ahead. You say you, you stay independent. Let, let me throw this scenario at you. What if Boise State, who it's been reported is having issues with the Mountain West because they're they're as my daughter, as my teenage daughter calls it, they're extra. That's I guess the new thing. <laughs> they are extra. <laughs> so I did. So I did. Just say they're extra. Okay. So yeah. um. So let's say Boise and BYU get an invite to the AAC. At that point, dude, that's a really good conference. You throw yeah. in BYU, Boise, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, all who have been ranked in the last two years, right? That's yeah. that's that's all. That would to me, that would be a hard thing to turn down. Yeah, I'd take it. I'd take it. And here's why. You roll your eyes at the stupid, the the American likes to put P6 on their helmets, like making the case that there are six power conferences and we are number six. And, and right now in the last 10 years, yeah, you roll your eyes at that a little bit. Boise State and BYU, they they themselves up that profile. And here's the thing. this I hate saying this because you know I'm a BYU guy. It's more Boise State than BYU. When you say ranked seven of the past 10 years in the AP Top 25, how many of the, of the Pac-12 have that good of a record? You know, Utah seven does. out of 10 years. Utah They've been, been ranked, ranked seven out of 10 ranked years? Six of the last seven, not counting this year because this year's an asterisk. But Utah yeah. been ranked six of the last seven. Yeah. Well, but I think I went back a few years and it's it's still not. I don't think it's seven out of 10. I think they might be six out of the last no, 10 as six well. Six out of seven. I'm going okay, seven. Okay, well, that, that, that is better. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember for a, an episode about a month ago, I was saying, look, Boise State has done something that Utah and BYU haven't done. Utah was, I think, AP. It was either five or six. BYU was one. You know, BYU's not great there. <clears> this <throat> would be great to get another year. But Boise State, that adds to their competitive profile. Uh, and then and BYU, of course, I mean, they're no slouch. You know, so you take that and you say, Okay, year in, year out, what are the odds that the G5, as currently constituted, best team is not going to come from a conference with Cincinnati, Boise State, BYU, Houston, UCF? You know, I'd put it's, it at it's zero, a really dude. good chance. I would put yeah. it at 0%. No, I, I, you can't put anything at zero. I'd put it at 99% chance that it's always from the AAC if you add those two teams. I do. Okay. Because at that point, you're left with the Mountain West leftovers, which, let's just be honest, they're all riding Boise's coattails, right? Right. The Mountain right. West isn't the same Mountain West as it was a decade ago. Utah, TCU, BYU, all gone, right? So, yep. it's, I mean, you're talking about Utah State level, and when we love Utah State, sure, but we know who they are, right? So, yeah. honestly, I would think if, if, if the, you're right, the, the G5 gets a guaranteed NY6, if you add BYU and Boise to the AAC, that gives you, I, we mentioned them already, BYU, Boise, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and Memphis even, who's ranked right. a lot, right? Yeah, I guarantee yeah. you almost every year, 99% of the time, the G5 highest ranked team would come from that, that conference. So basically, at that point, it's like an auto bid to the NY6. Yeah, right. and and that's where I was going with this, is if it's a de facto auto bid to a New York, New whatever, six bowl, that's P6, at that point, the sticker on the helmet is legitimized. You say, okay, they're a power conference because power conferences get auto bids. And so it's like, okay, the, the you know, T needs to be crossed and the I needs to be dotted. It's not actually a P6, but, but it essentially is. And, you know, that they're not that far off that it might be down the road one day. So, yeah, if that's the scenario, I, I, I take it. But looking back the past decade, this, this matchup epitomizes everything I love about it. Exciting game. A lot of national attention on it, uh, a unique field. You know, we never played on a teal field before. And then getting to know a bunch of new fans. And here's the thing, uh, from a distance, and nobody watches from a greater distance than I do, 
from this far away of a distance, that looked like a good time. I was like, wow, Coastal Carolina, they're partying. They look like just good old boys, you know, they're drinking, having a good time. What a fun atmosphere. I almost wish I could still cling to that because the accounts I've read and some of them in private messages and some of them out there for everyone to read, but people who were in the locker room or in the know, here's the, we all saw what a terrible job the referees did keeping the game under control, right? I mean, they let a lot of stuff go, not just the Zach Wilson hit at the end of the first half. They were letting stuff go all night. They had no control over that game. It was dirty. It was just cheap. It was sad. The security in the stadium was the exact same way. I mean, they, they let, after the game ended, we didn't see it on TV. Eyewitnesses who were there saw this. Kalani, his only thing, he, the only thing he said about it is, I wish we could have sung our fight song with our fans, which is incredible about this man. I was in Washington in Seattle when the whole team came over after getting destroyed by the Huskies and sang the fight song with those of us who made the trip. It's like, man, that's kind of cool of a team to go do that when you are just not in the mood and feeling down. Kalani yep. wishes they could have done that. You know why they couldn't have done that? The fans were getting in the coaches' faces and yelling and starting stuff and trying to start little fights and skirmishes. And so security said, you guys got to leave the field. The fans are just in your faces. And so, okay, give the security credit that they at least said BYU get off our field. They weren't doing anything to break up any of those little things. So BYU's in the locker room post-game doing whatever they do post-game. And a bunch of drunk girls come running through. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is just so, like, what kind of an operation <laughs> running is Running through what? Do, what? What did they do? Through they the like, locker room. Were running they through the locker room. Did they have I don't know, maybe some exactly kind of a sorority were... initiation of go take some BYU player's towel or something like that. Who knows what they're doing? <laughs> but they, huh. were, they had been drinking. And, I mean, you know what the locker room, like, you're naked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. And we're, we're not okay with it. We're Mormons. We don't get naked in front of strangers. Right? <laughs> Maybe some other team, maybe Arizona State welcomes that. Maybe that's encouraged, but come on, yeah. don't do that. Huh. You know what's funny is is a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack on what you said. I, don't, I can't remember half yes, of them. Yes, there is. I need, to, I need to be better at taking notes when you talk. But I got them written down. Opposing fans, man, it's, I just think it's a different day and age. I think everywhere you go now, people are jerks. Partially yeah. devolves from social media, but that's another whole story for another day. But like, I, I, I cannot tell you how terrible of an experience going to a game at Arizona State is. Like, yeah. I've mentioned it before. And, like, there's times where I, I, like, fear for my safety, you know? Right. Because you get these fans that are already up, hyped up on adrenaline. They've been drinking all day. And there's no holds bar. Like, it's, like, personal attacks and personal threats. It's, like, almost kind of scary. I wish – I don't know. I don't want to get too down far down the road, but – just sporting events nowadays, it's, it seems different than it used to when I was a well, kid. But maybe I was more sheltered when I was a kid. I don't know. That's the thing. When I think the last time we played at UCLA, you know, I want to cheer for UCLA because I lived in the LA area, and you know, I know like I know a bunch of people who went to dental school at UCLA. Like I've got ties to it. I want to cheer for them. But when you hear the fans chanting "F the Mormons" over and over and over again, loud enough to come across the TV. That a lot of goodwill goes away instantly, and you want to destroy UCLA after something like that. And from what I saw with Coastal Carolina, I thought, nah, they're just partying, they're having a good time. But no, the people who were there hate Coastal Carolina more than they hate Utah right now. And that's what's shocking to me, is they were saying, like, in fact, Alex uh, Carissa, former player, played most of his years at Portland State, but he was on the BYU squad for a while. He would say, I would rather be able to face them again this season in a bowl and destroy them by 50 then never lose to Utah again. You know, if you're the magic genie, genie in a bottle, whatever, that's how much he wants it. He's saying as former players, 
And and his words were, when you know, you, and this is, he didn't put this out there, but we were talking, he was saying, when you know you're better than somebody, and they act like they acted, you know, and you see it unfold the way it did with everything that was on the line, the competitor in you just wants the rematch. And it's it's not going to happen. People don't typically do rematches in bowls no. unless you're a couple of SEC chumps, but... But man, the players are fired up. The players want this. Huh. Well, that's interesting to hear hear that because I know there's been, if you've been following on Twitter, there's been a little bit of drama from, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but a certain quarterback's <laughs> mother that said some yes. things, and so she had firsthand experience, but she she right. went off quite a bit. So I mean, there's obviously merit to it, you know. Where there's smoke, there's fire, oh, yeah. right? If there's many people talking about it, but it's uh, I mean. I don't know. It's it's hard to hard. Uh, Coastal Carolina's literally never had a game like this in their history, right? Because their history is like three years, right? They've been F- FBS yeah, at, for, at this for level, three yeah. years, yeah. And so something this big, where college game days there, I'm sure there was extra um, partying before because it's a big event, and so people had you know had a, had a, had a little bit more liquid uh, courage in them, and it's too bad it yeah. happened that way. But hey, end of the day, props to BYU for taking that game. Props to uh, putting on a good show because it was a, an entertaining game. And you know what? It's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all, right? <laughs> you went for it. You took a chance. And, uh, dude, I know the pain, bro. I know the pain because of what was in front of you. It was the end of the season. You're getting all this college football playoff hype from from Herb Street and other you know guys. You're ranked high. You, you, see, the, you see the bowl predictions of BYU versus Oregon the fiesta whatever it's it's enticing and and then to have it ripped away from you it's painful and it's going to be that way for a while you can say you're over it and you may be over the the main pain but dude for the next year there will be you will go back in your mind like you said earlier and replay if he could have done this you could have done that because i am still freaking doing that about the pac-12 title game i say to myself if julian blackman hadn't got injured we would have allowed those three over the top passes and then it's a different game against oregon or if when we had the ball in the fourth quarter down one score against oregon and we're driving if zach mossler broken one tackle on this little swing pass he would have had a first down and we could have scored and then it's you know I, i have done that over and over and that's the hardest part about being a passionate fan is replaying the freaking what ifs. It sucks. Oh, this, this and you want to know the ultimate one for me? The yeah. ultimate one, which I'll never ever move down, is the '98 Utah NCAA tournament championship game against Kentucky. Uh-huh. Dude, we're that, that's our one shot, and we led the whole freaking game. And Andre Miller just ran out of gas. I replay that at least at least once a month in my head like dang it and it's 20 years later now <laughs> dang it if andre miller could have gotten some rest at the 10 minute mark when we're up eight still and come back in fresh we would have won i have said that i don't even know how many times i can count and dude that's the, the worst part about sports you you'd bring if you sit by him in an airplane you'd bring that up wouldn't you dude yeah I'm, I've, <laughs> I've mentioned already my cousin is Britton johnson right which yeah. he he was on that team, which makes it even more like meaningful to me. It would have made it more oh, meaningful. Yeah. I had a family member won the national title, and dude, we went golfing up at Wasatch Mountain. This was uh, two months ago, a month ago, and we talked in detail about it then. How how hard it still is on him? Because you think about it, me, so, hard on me, dude. Think about the players, man. How well, hard that's what it I was is. gonna ask. Is yeah. he is he still not over it? Oh no, dude. It, it, it's it's he's still is frustrated about some of the things that happened. And like I, I remember the story of Alex Jensen. He after the game after the game he went home after when he got home, he went in his bedroom, turned the lights off, and didn't leave his bedroom for three days. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, that's how hard, it's so hard on these people, especially, like, if, if you're Duke or Kansas, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably have a chance next year. Utah in the national championship, everyone knew. Well, I knew now, looking back. I remember thinking after, well, we'll be back next year. Miller comes back. Uh, Alex Jensen's back, you know. But that that's, we've never been back. And over and over, I replay that in my mind. Man, I hate that about sports. It reminds me watching, uh, like, 20 years ago again, New York Giants snapper that made some stupid play, like a couple bad snaps, or, or the maybe it was the backup quarterback that, that had a bad hold. And so it cost them a playoff run. And um, there was an interview I was watching with him the next year where he mentioned how many times a day he thinks about it, and it just it's ruined his life. And I hate that. Bet, you know, there's I more bet. to life than that, but I get it. I get it. Or you think about Billy, Billy Buckner for the Red Sox, you know, the, the old Buckner in, in the World Series. He let the ball go under his legs, and yeah. the Mets ended up winning the World Series. That, like, ruined his life. Like, literally, there was a 30 for 30 on it. Like, he had to move to Idaho. Um, it just, like, literally ruined his life. That sucks. I hate yeah. sports. Sports This sucks. is the, the joy and the pain of, of sports. I, I had this thought in the fourth quarter, and it, I've had this thought before, but you go to a movie – and like we'll say it's a really good movie. We'll say it's a Christopher Nolan, you know, you're way absorbed into it. You're you're super engrossed in it. You whenever it gets a little too suspenseful, you can check yourself. You can call a timeout and say, "Hey brain, this is a movie. It's going to be fine." Like they make movies enjoyable. But could you imagine a world where you went to a movie and you didn't know if it was going to be enjoyable or terrible? Like yeah. what if half of the movies ended the wrong way? And that's exactly what sports are. I was watching this and I'm like, I don't know if we'll be okay. Yeah. And so here's the thing. The third quarter and the fourth quarter were agonizing for me. And I tried. I'm, I'm a grown man. I shouldn't be this invested. But they were just pure torture. I absolutely hated it. And then when the game was over, that's when the healing began. I began being okay immediately. And that's a life lesson. This is talking to a, we'll call him a good friend of mine who was a, a federal court judge, district court judge at uh, the district level, who you know would send people to prison for things. And in his experience, during a trial that lasted all week or a couple weeks, when you think about the the mother of the victim and the mother of the person who's on trial for the crime and just everyone involved, that sucks. The the trial sucks because you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know if, you're, if your baby boy is going to prison for the rest of his life or not. And that feeling of, I don't know, is the worst thing for humans to comprehend. Now, as soon as there's some finality and as soon as we know... Even if it's what you didn't want to have happen, it's better. You know, it's better to know, okay, this is our new reality. My baby boy will be going to prison for the rest of his life, and that sucks. But you can accept that, and immediately you are a happier person than you were the week before when you didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't know what it is about the human mind. That's just how we are built. But I experienced that on Saturday. I absolutely hated the third and the fourth quarter. The rest of the day, it, it got better as the day went on. But man, dude, I, I hate. I'm way too old to let sports do this to me. And it I still, still do. does it, dude. I think about and I've I've referenced this obviously several times. The the Pac-12 title game again when we were down twenty to nothing at halftime to Oregon. I literally could not sit in my seat. I had to like go walk the concourses just to distract myself because yeah. I was so upset and so like the just just everything crashing down before I just. I couldn't sit still. I had to just walk around just to pass the time. And dude, you're right. The fear of the unknown. You're right. That's that's. Oh, that sucks. So. I, my wife and I had a, a good conversation afterwards, and this is one of the many many reasons I absolutely love this woman. 
Our Before our first date, I had been invited to her roommate to go watch her play football. Her intramural football team was in the championship, and she was their star female wide receiver. It was both oh, male-female cool. football. And so when a, when a female catch, catches a touchdown, it's worth like more points than when a male does. This is the way the <laughs> intramurals were structured back then. So, I mean, she was a stud. Like, she was the go-to receiver. She could catch. It didn't matter if it was 50 yards downfield. She would catch it. It was just a lot of fun watching her play. So she's a competitor, and she's just a lot of fun to watch sports with. Her heart was physically hurting after that game. And we were talking to each other saying, I'd wondered to what extent us being invested. And what I mean invested is like, you know, we wear a whole bunch of BYU stuff. And I, I talk about it on Twitter all day. I read about it on Twitter all day. Well, the more you do that the more these defeats are soul-crushing. Because I used to be a casual fan. When I was a teenager, I was dating, and I was catching fish, and I was more of a basketball player anyway. And so I'd watch BYU football. But, you know, it was just kind of a, you know, just, it was on my mind. It wasn't, I was not this, far, this nearly this invested. And I just, yeah. I don't know that it's a good idea to be this invested. It's not. You know, it doesn't at, matter. I look at my fandom with the Jazz, okay? Growing up, I was diehard jazz, just like I am in the Utes. Like, I was way more invested. Now, it's Utah football, completely my number one. Utah basketball, two. Um, and then everything else, a distant third. Jazz, Chiefs, Royals, etc. And when the Jazz lost in the playoffs, during the game, I'm into it. I'm cheering. I'm pumped. I'm nervous, etc. But as soon as it's over, immediately my mood is normal. And it's because I'm not as invested in it, right? But, yeah. but football, like you say, you wear the gear, you think about it all the time, you talk about it, you have a podcast about it, you tweet about it. It's You're way more invested. And it's not, dude. I know firsthand it's not healthy at all, but it is who we are, man. It's it's like it's it's part of our, our personality. It's part of it's like someone that, I don't know, I try to explain this to my wife because like, she's not a sports fan at all. It's like music to you, babe. It, you know, you, you you can play it. You can listen to it on the radio. You can play your flute. You can play your your guitar. You can You can write music. You can sing songs. You know, but it doesn't break your heart like the sports does for me because music's always there for you. You know, there's there's emotional songs that can get you high, whatever, but it's it doesn't break your heart. It's not like you'll be listening to the song and all of a sudden the song will stop and be never heard again. And so you're, di- you know, it's disappeared and you're just so sad because if you'd heard the rest of the song, I don't know. I don't, that's a you, poor analogy I'm trying to draw, but no, it's but, a good analogy. You can't lose a song, nobody has ever lost a, in a song before. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just it's just the weird thing about sports, and we're just super invested. Like I say, my wife doesn't have that that come down in music like I do in sports. The the, the disappointing sadness, and it sucks, but it is who we are, man. Thinking about the level of investment is a perfect segue to our number one question from our mailbag, which comes from St. George sports fan at OC2SLC St. G. Thank you for for chiming in. His question is, if Utah or BYU, Utah for you, BYU for me, get into the playoffs, would you go all in and get to the the tickets flight hotel for the semifinal game? Or do you hold off and pray for them to win and then go in for the natty? Let's say you only have the budget for one trip. Which do you do? I thought about this. I I take the uh, um, analogy, bird in the hand, two in the bush, man. You you go for what you have. You don't know if you're going to win that game. I would rather... Go to the the semifinal playoff game and lose, um, it, then not then then hold off and not be able to go to either because they lost. You know, I I yeah. would go I would go wherever. And then if if by by some magic um, 
reason we win and go to the national championship game and I have no money and I can't go to it. I would honestly, I'd like start selling blood and doing what, <laughs> whatever I could to try and find a way to that. But I would, I would go for it. Take what's in front of you and worry about next week after that. Even yeah. if, even if it's my last penny just to go to the semifinal game, I'll do that and worry about the other thing later. Yeah. In life, when we look back, I mean, when you're thinking about where to spend your, your uh, fun money, we look back and we enjoy the memories. We don't look back and enjoy the possessions. So you, you look at your possessions and say, which ones don't I need? Because we got memories to make here. Yeah. I, I would answer it this way. I don't have a, a long history of enjoying away games. So my BYU tradition I grew up with was we watch them at my grandpa's basement and we would get to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, uh, well, whatever, Provo BYU Stadium, Cougar Stadium, whatever they called it back in the day, uh, about one game a year growing up, you know, the trip from Brigham City to Provo. It was, a, it was fun memories with my dad. And, uh, yeah, I, I took in one game a year live, and we watched the rest on TV. So the thing for me is is when my memories and, and everything that matters to me about BYU football – mostly happens on TV, I'm okay continuing that. You know, now, if I were the level of fan where I identified with seeing BYU play in person as much as possible, yeah, you make sacrifices to get there because you don't want to miss out. But I think for a lot of people that are like me watching from far away or maybe growing up just don't have the budget to be traveling with the team and all that, there's nothing wrong with taking it in on the TV. You know, you yeah, have a great... A, especially a... the ESPN puts more into the college football playoff than any other sport. There is nothing else where you can turn to the five different channels and have five different ways to watch it. And so there's nothing wrong with watching it from far away. But yeah, but I'm I, with you. If, if that's what I do, you, you stop at nothing to get to both of them. Yeah, yeah. And and to me, like, see, I grew up, my dad sneaking us sneaking us into Rice Stadium because his <laughs> fraternity brother was a dusher, right? So I just grew up always going to games all, I've, t- I've said it before, but all my brothers, we have season tickets. There's something about being at, to me, being at the stadium when yeah. when when your team scores, that, that like unity you feel with all these strangers around you, man. That's, t- that's a rush to me. Like, when I was at the Sugar Bowl and we were whooping Alabama, like, to look around and see 80% Bama fans, but the 20% of us just going nuts, it was like, these are my... I'm in a, I'm in a battle with these guys. These are my yeah. boys, you know? It was yeah. just... It was fun. I've said it before. That's what I envy about your fan base, is they showed it this past weekend. They would cut from the Coastal Carolina crowd to the BYU cl- crowd just before commercials. Coastal Carolina's up dancing, drinking, waving their signs. Some of the signs were clever and some made no sense at all, but they had signs and they were dancing, they were doing everything. I mean, it seemed like a cool place to be. Then they cut to BYU and people are sitting and talking to each other. It's like, come on, we get the we get the reverent award. We're being very <laughs> reverent at a college football game and it just ah, drives me insane. Hey, I wish we, we could all, be we all just have a little our, more edgy. We all have our, our pros and cons to who we are and what we do, right? Okay, so let's let's yeah. put a bow on this CCU game uh, and move into the San Diego State game before we talk about the Utes. Do you? Um, how do you think the Cougars are going to respond this week against San Diego State? Because let me let me tell you from my perspective, this is very similar to what happened to us in 2010, right? We as Jordan wins sophomore year, we were rolling. We were 10 and 0. We had a huge game against TCU. College game day came to town. It was our first blackout with those hideous camo uniforms. I, I went to the, the college game yeah. day, enjoyed that huge hype. 
TC was three, Utah was five. I get to the stadium, and I'm not even kidding you, that was still to this day the loudest I've ever heard Rice Cycle Stadium pre-kickoff in like the first five minutes of the game. It was insane electric. And then TCU proceeded to kick our trash and destroy us like 48-7, to I think it was. And it was only seven because we got a token touchdown at the end that didn't even matter. Um, And so we lost that game. It was super devastating. Our next week, we go out to Notre Dame, which we should have been pumped for because it's a game at Notre Dame. And we were so flat. And and we lost 28-3, to if I recall correctly. And it was just... TCU beat us twice. We were so let down for what we had lost. Because then, that was before the playoffs. It was BCS at that point. And we were number five in the BCS. TCU was number three in the BCS. And it was like, we're all we're playing for huge stakes. We lost that game late in the season. Next week, we were super flat. And we were just, it, it totally ruined us. So, do you feel that it, I mean, obviously you don't know this. But how do you think you're going to come out? I worry about that a little bit. Because... I've mentioned this before. The identity of a Kalani Sataki coach BYU team is unpredictable. If they practice well, they play well. And they, for whatever reason, don't just decide to practice well all the time. So this team can have a little bit of an emotional knee-jerk reaction from one week to the next. Now, a few things I like. I like that we're coming off a loss to San Diego State. You know, the, the last time we played, they won. So there's an added chip on your shoulder. There's an added reason to get up. I like that... We're essentially playing for a postseason top 25 ranking. Whether you look at the coaches, AP, or uh, college football playoff, whatever, that's in play. If we lose this game, it's out. There's no way you finish this season top 25 with a loss to San Diego State. So that's something that matters. I don't know if that – that's probably not one of them that they have up in their locker room, but maybe it is. Uh, finish top 25 is meaningful to the fans, is meaningful to the program, and I hope it's meaningful to the players. So there's two reasons to get up for it. They're all hyped about their blackout jerseys. You know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but the players are all excited about that. And then the the last thing is it's senior night. You know, you got a bunch of people, and, and they know, we don't know, who's coming back and who's not. Uh, I think we know Matt Bushman isn't. Now he's not playing. But there's a reason to go say, hey, let's celebrate his final home game. He'll be there. He'll be dressed, you know. Um, Zach Wilson likely going. Uh, and then there's another thing, too. This is the first time we've had a senior or an upperclassman, not senior, junior, upperclassman Zach Wilson with his competitive edge and mentality leading this team. Likely with that, we don't, you know, that maybe cuts into how emotional and how wishy-washy this team can be. I expect him to show maturity, show leadership, and most of all to put on a clinic because he's still putting together his highlight tape to explain why he should be the first quarterback taken. You don't do that by showing up and laying an egg. You do that by showing up and throwing for 400 yards. And so that's what I'm expecting. I like this coaching staff. They're going to look at that and say, we're doing this for Zach. They're probably going to be a lot more pass-heavy because you got to show all night everything he can do, his accuracy, his full set of skills, because that's what you do. You want your guy to go as high as he can. So look at it like an audition, show up, ball out, and after the stupid, their, uh, their, their official team account, after they took on Colorado, put out a graphic saying any team, anywhere, whatever, you know, they were oh, trolling really? us <laughs> from their official football account. We're trolling us. Whoever, I, I want the players to see that. Yeah, whoever the social meter manager is anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you don't you don't give a, I mean, it, it wasn't the coach, it wasn't the players, but as a program, they were trolling us, they were calling us out. 
I want our players to take that personally, as Michael Jordan has been saying a lot on the internet lately. (laughs) And I took that personally. I seriously, I want to beat him by 50. It it will not be good enough for me until we have just crushed the life from their program. What is the line on it? Looking forward to it. You know I don't is? know. It's it's not fifty. I haven't looked at it yet, but okay. uh, they early on in the year they they showed like they were a good team. They, they beat did. Utah State, who then turned out to be terrible. Yeah, uh, they had a few games and they they've lost a couple, I believe. So they lost their the quarterback, thing, which is part of the problem. Their their starters oh, been out last couple games. Yeah, gotcha. The, yeah. You had mentioned Boise State in the ACC earlier. I loved that same day that that report came out. Brady Hoke, who had been their coach before, went to Michigan. Now he found his way back there. He was there when BYU left for independence, and he is still bitter about it. They had a quote. They said, would you like to be playing BYU regularly in the future? And he said, I would, with them being a part of this conference. He said, like, that was his words. He is still bitter about them leaving the Mountain West. And so the same day he says BYU should be part of the Mountain West, it's leaked out that Harson of Boise State is saying, we got to do whatever we can to get out of this place. I mean, it's just, it's 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 laughable. I love that those two quotes juxtaposed on the internet on the same yeah. day. You, well, you love that. People hate Boise. Their whole conference hates them, so that doesn't surprise me. All right, so uh, let's talk a little about the U game before we read the rest of our mailbag that we got, because we did have a couple others yes. I, I saw. Um, yes. So you, the biggest game of the weekend, now we've got the JV game out of the way, the <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Utah, the game of the year. Utah versus freaking Oregon State. And, man, I don't know what to make of this Utes team, man. And I, I, I have to keep reminding myself, you're back, this is your backup quarterback. We don't know who you really are as a team. And all the COVID stuff, the stuff we've rehearsed, we won't rehash. Um, but they came out. They were moving the ball all up and down the field, but they couldn't freaking punch it into the end zone. It was field goal after field goal after field goal. Finally, they uh, they scored a touchdown before half, um, and and they but they had been moving all up and down the field. But the problem is, and I, it's just it's bewildering to me. We talked about last week that we needed better quarterback play. Between the twenties, Bentley looks decent, looks okay, you know. But the problem is, we get in the red zone and we just freaking. Crap the bed, right? There were three, the first three field goals all should have been touchdowns because Brant Keithy, who still is severely underutilized this year, was wide open on three pass plays on each drive that that should have been touchdowns that were just like thrown ridiculously under underthrown or overthrown. I, I look at the third one. We're heading towards the north end zone. He's got wide open just going to the back corner of the end zone and the ball's like 20 feet over his head. It's like, terribly thrown and you could see the frustration on Brent Keithy's face he would he was muttering to himself he was gesturing that he was pissed because he was wide open and most high school quarterbacks could make that throw but for some reason our quarterback who was a three-year SEC starter cannot hit open receivers it's like I don't know if he's got the yips or or what but he just can't do it and it's super frustrating because all other aspects of the of the, of the offense is looking decent we've got a Stunned running back that came out of nowhere. Ty Jordan, true freshman from Texas. He was committed to Texas, changed it to Utah at the end, and he came in and he passed all four running backs in front of him during fall camp. Like, out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere, and he's like, it's legit because he just... 
He's small. He's five seven. He's compact, but he just he has he has a boogie to him in the hole that is hard to bring down, and he just looks amazing. So we got an awesome running back. We got Covey, who who's back to full health, who looked like it. He had bursts of speed on his punt return for touchdown. He looks good. Um, the offensive line still a work in progress. They got they're getting better, but the quarterback just man, he just can't he can't throw an open pass. What do you make of that? I wonder how much of it is mental. We talked about this before, the, the psychological aspect of the game. I mean, every sport has it. It's it, You can't overlook that. And uh, to, to some extent, Jake Heaps, you watch him in practice. It, Jake Heaps in practice is what Zach Wilson is. You know, I mean, he had that kind of an arm, that kind of accuracy, and that kind of decision-making that just didn't quite make it into the game. And it's it's just it's mental. It's just getting through that barrier, pushing through. Like, suddenly you're in a game in front of 60,000 fans. There's probably a lot of things you wouldn't do as well in front of 60,000 people as you would in the <laughs> in the privacy of your own bedroom. That's not where I wanted to go with that. But there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of things you can do really well until you're called upon. Now, Utah didn't even have fans in the stadium, but when it counts, when it matters, when the pressure's on, some people respond to that, some people don't. You know, I. But it's per, the thing that's most perplexing is we talked about it last week, dude. This is a freaking four-year starter. Like yeah. some of the mistakes that are being made are literally like, like mind-blowingly like what a high school player could do that. And I don't want to keep ripping on the guy. I feel bad, right, doing it. But like there was three touchdowns we should have had on our first three drives that were wide-open Brant Keithy passes, and, and, and they're just just. M- overthrown underthrown like not enough arm strength like it just it's it's bewildering um it's funny because it's funny how that, that mental thing can happen i think one of the most high profile cases do you remember chuck knoblock he was a second baseman for the new york yankees like in the early 2000s oh they, they like, named it after him right I, i'm not sure they named it after him yeah yeah but, but okay but he was like he was like a, a an all-star second baseman but he developed a, the yips where he could yeah. not throw the ball from second to first like, it was such yeah. a mental block. He couldn't do it. And so they had to bench him, and it was just the craziest thing. So I don't know if it's something like that, but like there, I, even on like our last drive, okay? So we, we, we go up big. I mean, not big, but 16-3. to three. We go up a decent lead. It should have been like 28 or 31-3 to three at halftime. Um, and just like against Washington the week before, the second half, we mentioned it last week, either the coaches just shut it down or we just lose our minds and we just couldn't do a freaking thing. Britton Covey... Returns of her touchdown, we go up 30 to 10 in the fourth quarter, blow out the blowouts on. But from that point on, we didn't have one single first down, not one, the rest of the game. And it was like the play calling went went vanilla, whereas run up the middle and they, they stopped us. But there was the last drive before we gave the ball back to them. It was third and four or third and six. And I saw them call a timeout, and Witt went up to Jake Bentley and said, can you throw it? And Jake Bentley nodded his head. He said, okay. So I knew a pass play was coming. It was the weirdest thing ever. I've never seen something like that before. But he asked him, can yeah. you throw it? And he said yes. And they called this play, and and I think it was Keithy who was kind of flaring out towards the first down marker, and he just kind of like just softly chucked it, and it hit the ground 10 feet in front of him. And I was like, what really? in the yeah, I'll show you the play. I'll text it to you. I'll go back in. Yeah. But it was the weirdest damn thing. I was like, what in the hell is going on here? Like, it was a, it was like he can't even complete that pass. So I don't know if there was an injury to his hand. Well, there was injury to his hand where he cut his hand, but they taped it up. But I don't know if that was affecting it or not, but it was the weirdest thing ever. So it's just frustrating because 
we put together, I, I tweeted this, we put together these great first halves, great first half against Washington, great first half against Oregon State, but then the second half we crapped the bed twice and we held on to the win. So I, I tweet after, I was like, man, it, we won, but it's one of those wins that just feels like a loss. Yeah. Everybody's angry because we just did the same crap we've been doing. It's like the coaches are not giving the kids a chance to win this. But then after I slept on it, I saw the video of the players like super pumped. I was like, dude, what? I have no right to be upset. These are the guys that are like giving their blood, sweat, and tears literally, and they're pumped. So I'm happy for them, you know? Knowing, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but knowing what you just told me, it wouldn't shock me to have Drew Lisk start next game. Dude, I've been calling for it. I wouldn't mind it either because it can't get, it cannot, it literally cannot get worse. I mean, that's an overstatement. It could, it could be interception every play. But like, like, the quarterback play is not helping us win games at all. Like, the reason yeah. we're winning is because we have a pretty good defense. Not what it was last year, but it's still a good defense. Um, and we have a stud running back, and we had a, a big special teams play. If it wasn't for, for those things, we would have lost. The quarterback is not helping us win. And so, what's the point at that point? Let's put in Lisk and yeah. give him a shot, man. At least to see what else we have there. You know, talking about juxtaposing, we're going to juxtapose more. I love comparing the different styles, and there's there's all kinds of different styles that work for people or don't work for people. To me, Whittingham seems like the kind of guy you can go be a quarterback for if you already have this internal confidence that you are the best MF and quarterback on the planet. You know, if you mm-hmm. have that, and a lot of people do, a lot of people have that internal. I'm just great. I'm just great because I'm great, and you know, I. You can have some overconfidence sometimes, but it's okay. To, it, in this game, it's probably better to have overconfidence than a lack of confidence. Whereas Kalani Sataki, so often you'll see him, and I love this about Kalani. He'll be doing an interview or something post-game, and he'll break away for a second to just slap his player high-five and just say, hey, you good? You okay? And he'll say, I love you, man. You know, And he just has such a fatherly approach that's full of love with all his players, and I, I feel like all of his players, even when Francis Bernard was transferring and transferred, there is still a love between Kalani and Francis that, that is palpable when they talk to each other, you know, and and he's just, he's that powerful of a loving coach, and that's the kind of guy you need if you're struggling with confidence at this level. Wit, you know, his style works. I'm not going to second guess and say he needs to be more like Kalani, he needs to love his players more, but if you have an inkling of self-doubt, and he's the guy that's going to be mad at you when you mess up. That that's not helpful. Not everybody dude, I, thrives I, with a boss like that. I will give you that, dude. I agree a hundred percent actually with that take, man. Because, um, like you said, everyone has their different strengths. Wits it works for what he does, but when it comes to the quarterback position, facts are facts, man. We we've had subpar quarterback play more often than not. I mean, you know, every now and then we'll have have a, a good year. Good. I mean, a perfect example of a type of player that would thrive under Wit. Last year, dude, Tyler Huntley. He was innately super confident from the start when he came in. And what happened last year? He was the first team all Pac-12 quarterback ahead of Justin Herbert, who was the number six pick. So he had a great year. He had great stats. And we won 11 regular season games. And now that you you mention it, dude, the, the, the style of coaching was different last year, too, because there were times where they didn't take the foot off the gas. We were up big, and we were still throwing, you know, uh, which is – so, maybe, dude, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that just kind of dawned on me, like, which style is to take his foot off the gas, but maybe when it's, he's got a quarterback he doesn't trust, you know? Right, um, right. Under Because under Very Huntley, they, they – Yeah, because under Huntley, he knew he was a baller. He knew he had confidence, and they, they didn't do that. I remember – in fact, I remember it was shocking to me 
because it was after after the Travis Wilson era, Tyler Huntley's first year starting, or maybe the second year starting, we're at Stanford. We're up 21-0. Stanford scores to make it 21-7 with like 54 seconds left. And normally at that point, what Witt does is he kneels on it. Guaranteed. But for some reason, he came out and they were throwing and they drove down and got a field goal at, at, to go up 24-7 halftime. I was like, holy crap! That's how you That's how you push it and that's how you step on their throat. You don't kneel. That was aggressive and that was awesome. And that was the first right. time I remember thinking that. And dude, it was maybe, maybe, maybe you're on something here, Benjamin. Maybe he he does that where he, he pulls back and tries to prevent the loss against quarterbacks he doesn't trust. With quarterbacks he yeah. doesn't trust. And under Huntley, he didn't have to do that because Huntley was supremely confident. And I think you're I think you nailed it, man. If you're if you have confidence issues, you are going to shrink and regress under Kyle Whittingham. If you don't, if you're like Tyler Huntley and you're kind of you're kind of you know loud and gregarious and confident and cocky, then you can play quarterback under Wit. Good point, man. Great ex- great observation. Here's where I can personally relate. I absolutely love public speaking, which maybe shouldn't come as a surprise because that's what we do. We speak. I love it too, yeah. In this podcast. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But it Same. wasn't always like that. And it, it's not always like that for anybody. I don't think anybody's born with this, like, I can say anything in front of a crowd no matter how big and I'm fine. Like, it, it rattles you. It rattles a lot of people. So during student council, student government, you know, campaigns, running for this, running for that, speaking at assemblies, I was involved in a little bit off and on all throughout. So sophomore in high school, it's great. Stand up, give my speech, whatever, no big deal. Didn't phase me at all. For whatever reason, junior year, something got in my head where I had just a little bit of a nervous tick in my face, and then I started getting self-conscious about it. And then I was like, oh, crap, can people see that I'm nervous? And if they can see I'm nervous, like it kind of fed on itself to where I did not enjoy my junior year of high school, I didn't enjoy it. But you know what? I was like, screw it. I'm running for student body office anyway because that's what I do. And so I had to like kind of just push through, power through. And it got to where by the end of my senior year, I was me again. And it started to it, not just enjoy it. It wasn't a bad thing that I would lose sleep over and, and be terrible. And then freshman year of college, I had a great time doing it. Kind of looked, I never looked back to where now it's, you know, if you give me a, a choice of do you want to speak in front of a thousand people next week or not, I'd say, yeah. I do. I do. I enjoy that. Like, I'm going to write something that's going to make them laugh, make them think, change their lives. You know, I thrive on that. But I kind of was in a slump for a while where it was this, uh, like, the snowball effect, you know? Messing up once or twice made it so it was easier to mess up four or five times. And yeah. I could see that. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's not, there are skills involved, but it's not like, oh, I, I had a lisp or I mispronounced a word or I stuttered. It was just mentally, I couldn't do it. And then mentally, I could. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the same thing with with uh, Jake Bentley. Is maybe he had success at South Carolina because of the coaching style, and he got here, and he just is afraid because we know Wit hammers home no turnovers. We've talked about that. We also know, which I don't love about Wit, but he likes to publicly question coaches um, and play calling after games, which. Seems to me that was so discord, but that's just the way he is. Um, and so maybe that kind of stuff has gotten to Jake Bentley and where Wick comes up and says, can you throw it? And he says, yeah. yes. Maybe he's nervous now. And that's why he just kind of, I'll, I'll send you the, I'll send you the video that from fourth, that, the, was that fourth quarter, fourth quarter of game three yeah. is not when you should be asking that question. Yeah. That, that, you, know, you should yeah. know. 
at that yeah, point. That's, that's why, why that's I'm why wondering wonder. if because because early in the game, like I said, he got hit on his hand and he was literally gushing blood like drip 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 drip, drip like that fast, yeah. right? And so okay. I'm wondering if there was something with his hand where he couldn't throw it that game very well, and that's what he was asking. Can you, th- you know, I'm wondering. Could I be. don't know, but well, I'll, sh- I'll send that. It was, it was very interesting, though. I've never seen a head coach ask the quarterback if you can throw it because that's their job is to throw it, right? Shout out to YouTube TV. I did not realize this feature was there, and I, I loved it. I, I got to be honest, I didn't watch the first half because I was not in the mental state to handle that just yet. Yep. You know, the game ended. I don't know. I went outside, went for a walk. I just kind of did some stuff with my family. We're getting Christmas prep, all that. And so I, I found other things to occupy my mind. And, and uh, I watched BYU basketball. They, they beat Utah State, and that was a lot of fun to see that win. Uh, and then I got to the point where I don't know which happened first. It's all it's all one big haze now. But anyway, I turn on YouTube TV and they give you the option: you join live, you start from the beginning, or option three: catch up through key plays. And so I was like, "Yeah, really? let's see what that's all about." Yeah, so I click on that, and so about middle of the third quarter, it says there are 17 key plays in this game, and it showed the 17 plays in a row. And then I joined live, and I was like, wow. wow. This is, and to me, so if you fast forward, you know, condense the first three quarters into five minutes, that's what I saw. And so my takeaway was, yeah, Utah's in control. They've got this. And so all fourth quarter, I was like, well, they're really going to lose this. They're actually going to lose this. And it came down to Utah made one stop uh-huh. that saved yeah. the game, you know, one defensive yeah. stop, but way closer than it should have been. It's sh- way closer than it should have been. For sure, or Oregon absolutely. State had what their their backup quarterback and and backup or third string running back or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, they they're were... missing they're missing their star running back. Um, they had their backup quarterback, but again, so did we have our backup quarterback. Um, and again, who knows what what players practiced during the week even because of COVID. I mean, right. it's it's a stupid year, but that's why I've said it all throughout the the theme of this year is I don't care about wins or losses, even though I still get upset because yeah. I care about experience. And there were some. Young dudes getting big time experience um, when we needed it. We had on on that last drive, I counted five true freshmen on the defense on the field at one point. Five, um, couple linemen, couple uh, um, a linebacker, and and two in the secondary. So like we had we had a lot of young youth out there. So they got they got reps in a game that mattered at the time, and so this will only help for next year. So. You know what? If we can go into Colorado and beat them, which I think we can, because I don't think Colorado's that great. They're ranked, but you look at their their scores; they barely beat every team they've played. We're I'm not, I'm not saying we're obviously world beaters, but it's not like Colorado's a typical top twenty team. So I think we can go in there and beat them. Um, and if we do, then we're two and two going into the last week. And if we win that, then we got a bowl game. If we don't, then we're then we're we don't. And but players are getting experience. We're figuring out. For next year, who can do what? Ty Jordan burst onto the scene. I've called him a baby Emmett Smith because, to me, he runs the same type of way. He's about the same size as Emmett Smith was. He wears the same number Emmett Smith did. And he runs just kind of – he's just really smooth when he runs. And you're looking at him, you're like, is he really even trying? He's just like – just kind of gliding out there, right? Um, and so that's that's a huge thing that we weren't even counting on at all. So we know who our future running back is. Covey looked full health. So that's a good sign for the future. Um we get, we're getting we start three freshmen on the offensive line. They're getting their mistakes out of the way. It's just it's just that dang quarterback, man. We know nothing about we know nothing about our starter next year because he got injured six plays in. That's super frustrating. But anyway, I don't know. That's my wrap up on the Utes. Let's go to the mailbag. Go, going back to that era, this is this just in. This is a brand new question from Oh, nice. Ellis McPickle. He wants to know. 
You, if you could take, you have, uh, you know, one draft pick. You're taking Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders. Who are you taking, and why? Well, here's here's the thing. I'm gonna be biased with this because growing up, I was a big, big Dallas Cowboy fan in that okay. era. Like I grew up in the era of Emmett Smith, Troy Eggman, and, Emmett, and Irv, Michael Irvin. We were just – I don't care about the Cowboys anymore. In fact, I'm a Chiefs fan now because I lived in Kansas City after my mission. So He used I became, to cheer for BYU in the 80s. He's a Utah fan now. He's, he's a Yankees <laughs> fan sometimes. He likes the no, Lakers screw sometimes. the Yankees. No, dude, I grew up, I grew up Jazz, Braves because they were always on TV, Dallas Cowboys, and Utes, right? And, and then yeah. after my mission, I dropped the Braves because I just didn't have time. Didn't care about the Cowboys anymore. I moved to Kansas City. <laughs> started going to games there and then ever that was in you know 2002 so that's 20 years i've been a, a chiefs fan so this, this is funny because that yeah think about that era i can't make fun of you for jumping teams around too much because i was a 49ers fan when that was a rivalry in oh, fact dude, my, it was a huge rivalry memories. bro yeah. yeah, I used to. They, they faced each other in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Yep. I want to say three years in a row. Yep. and that was the game. The AFC was putting up yep. weak teams. The oh, yeah. game was it, the yep. NFC. That championship. was the Super Bowl. Yep, for sure. And and I remember in my uh, my scripture case, I took out the triple combination and I put in my Walkman with an FM radio. <laughs> and I had the you know you take apart the little headphone thingies, the plastic thingies, and so I had just the little speaker to the side of the scripture case. And so during all of church one day when it was the Niners versus the Cowboys, I sat there with my scriptures on my shoulder and just kind of leaned my head, and I listened to that entire game all through church. Hilarious. Oh, I didn't I go to church, all the dude. other deacons the dude, updates. I, I think about the NFC Championship game when we went out. Well, we, I'm not a Cowboys fan anymore, but they went out there in San Francisco, and they had Troy Aikman to, to Alvin Harper for this huge gain late in the game, like an 80-yard gain. That won the game for him. Those are those. That's the era I grew up in. So back to your original yeah. question. Also, real quick, do you remember in that? I, I remember I would walk out in the foyer during church and call a phone number that gave sports scores. Do you remember doing that? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I go to the foyer, pay the phone. It's like one eight hundred sports score, and it was like some gambling website. Then it say <laughs> it say it would give you like the lines, and then it would say second quarter Dallas Cowboys twenty one, Green Bay Packers twelve. Third quarter, Atlanta Falcons. And that's how I'd get sports scores back then, oh, by calling a 1-800 number on the phone. Anyway, so yeah. if I go back in time, I think my, my favorite running back was Emmitt Smith because I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. But he benefited from a huge offensive line that would open up giant holes, whereas Barry Sanders didn't have that. And he was so wiggly and so, like, slippery, and you couldn't tackle him. So if I'd always, I'd always said if you swap the two – made Barry Sanders a cowboy, he would have been insanely unstoppable. Yeah. I, that's exactly – I saw it the exact same way. We had uh, – my brother had a Barry Sanders poster hanging up in our bedroom. And so, uh, yeah, we were – was, Barry Sanders was the man. And, yeah, I thought all along you put any running back behind that Cowboys offensive line, they're, they're going to they're gonna do some damage. So Yeah. So all he right, benefited from that, to, but he, uh, still, he still was good enough to be the all-time leading rusher. You know, you, you, sure. you, could, you could put me or you back there. And be, they'd still need a, a, someone to be really good. One of the other 32 that made it to that level, yes. Yeah, or yeah, however many teams there were back then. Anyway, so yeah, Ty from, Jordan, I call him Baby Emmett Smith because he looks like him. So, yeah, next, next uh, on to your nice. question. Next mailbag question from Hypnoute at Devin Hypnosis. Heraclitus. Is that is that his name? Heraclitus? Heraclitus. I, I got I to gotta be careful with that pronunciation. Heraclitus <laughs> said, No man crosses the same river twice, for it is not the same river and he is not the same man. So why do fans keep getting their hopes up year after year after year after year after year? I, and I, I, I think he's talking about 
my fans. I don't know if he's talking about Utah fans. Is he talking about everybody? I think he's talking about everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's well, the same thing. <laughs> we we do. I do the same thing every year. Hey, the hypnosis. We've talked about you before, my man. I'll tell you why we do it. Because as it says, it's not the same river. You know. Yes. New river that year. New players. New. Um, you know, different different quarterbacks, different running backs, different defenses you're facing. So while we get our hopes every year, maybe this year's different because we have the talent this year we didn't have last year, and maybe the ball breaks our way this year. That is why I always get my hopes up. Here's the thing. I take exception to the narrative that BYU has delusional fans. I mean, they do have delusional fans, but everybody has delusional fans. I can point it when you say, okay, yeah, BYU, they're preseason national champs. They think every quarterback's going to be a, a Heisman. Okay, when Ty Detmer came in, there was no Heisman hype. He was like this, not this national powerhouse five star, and he ended up winning the Heisman. So there's precedent. There's precedent. There's reason to get excited that any one of our quarterbacks can do it. They can rise to that level. Zach Wilson, we weren't talking Heisman. I mean, those of us who take it seriously, we weren't talking about that a couple years ago. But he's in the conversation. He's in the top four or five, however many you want. You know, so the fact that it's possible and the fact that it has happened, the fact that we have a legit national championship trophy in the trophy room, that we have a Heisman trophy, that we have a Doak Walker trophy room, there's precedent. So sure, we're delusional, but not for no reason. You know, there's there's times when we've been proven right. So as as long as we have that, we can point at. I don't I I don't see it. I don't see it as being just all a pipe dream and delusion because it's real. It's happened. Yes, <laughs> it has happened. I'll give you that. It's just it, we've talked about before. There's truth is there's five freaking teams that can genuinely dream about a national title. You know, yeah. if it, it, we we can we can potentially map out if this this and that, but at the end of the day, it's the same stupid Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma's that are there, and it sucks. One of these years, though, and and here's here's what I predict happened. We talked a little bit about this going way way back, probably episode one of North and Goal. You were saying, what do you want in a coach at BYU? And I was pointing to. Lavelle Edwards, Norm Chow were revolutionary with what they brought to the game with the downfield pass. They were letting it fly like nobody had before, and they rode that to a national championship. They rode that to Tide Etmer getting the Heisman. They did it because they thought of something before everyone else thought of it. And that's what I love for BYU's identity. When Grimes showed up and he starts doing these jet sweeps like crazy and there's just real tricky offense, I love that. They've gotten away from it this year, but they went on record of saying, we're tailoring this offense to our strengths. You know, you got a guy like Zach Wilson, you don't mess around with jet sweeps all day. Uh, So they're a little bit flexible in that. Coastal Carolina, that is true innovation. I like what I saw from them. It was frustrating as can be to try to stop. But the fact that they said, all right, let's take a conventional triple option. We'll put our quarterback in in the shotgun and we'll throw just often enough and just accurate enough to keep the defense honest. That is a really hard to stop offense. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's what it's going to take, I think, for someone to rise up out of, out of where we're at to get to get something like the, that. That's but what they, I see happening. I can see this coaching staff getting called up and saying, okay, maybe not to maybe a P five middle of the road team like Kansas State or someone like that. Maybe an elite G five team. Maybe someone like Houston, where if he can recruit just a little bit better. And this is what I thought about: you can't recruit typical lineman because his offense doesn't work with a great big, you know whatever 300 pound lineman it works with so much if you take an offensive line and you say all right everyone on the offensive line is going to be built just like chase hansen 
you know, something like that where you, you've got speed, you've got power, and you yeah. can get places quickly. That'd be if you take that to the next level, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. Someone's going to change it, and someone's going to win a national championship with somebody like Kansas State or some just middle-of-the-road team because they're going to do something revolutionary like that. And I'm here for it, except I don't want it to be Coastal Carolina because it turns out we hate them, so that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at dude, in the early 2000s when the spread option was all of a sudden the new kind of rage. Utah in 04 with, with Urban Meyer, and then you had West Virginia at Rich Rod. They were really, really successful with that. Um, and now it's kind of everyone's kind of caught up to it, and, and it's where it's not like this novel idea. But yeah, dude, something like right. that. And you brought up the jump pass offense, man. Let's do yeah. it. Or no, honestly, honestly, that that idea you threw out there, where your linemen are all like safety size, you know, absolutely. Where where there, it's not like here we're here to block. We're here to like scramble around and like, dude, who knows? You never know. Well, and that's exactly what happened. Is all everybody in the whole country was like, there's no way Coastal will keep up with BYU size. Well, you don't need to be stronger than the people you're going up against if you're faster and you get just enough of a block. Like, even if you lose that five-second battle, if you can win the two-second battle and your guy runs around the corner, that's all you need to do. And anyway, I was thinking about this. My uh, my now my dentist that works for me, he's, he was my boss the past five years. I love this guy to death. He's so cool. We talk football all the time. And then a piece of mail shows up one day, and I'm staring at it, and it's from his college he went to, just a small school in Minnesota, and the way it was addressed, like what the mail was, it, it indicated that he played college football. And so after knowing this guy for two years and talking football for two years, I said, did you play football in college? And he just kind of laughed and said, yeah, I did. You know, and I thought, <laughs> what a cool, this stud. He just never mentioned, never brings up, yes, I played college ball. Like this, this guy is just so cool. But uh, I asked him what position, and he's built a little bit, well, he's built like I should be built. I'm a little chunkier than I should be, but he's he's maybe 6'3 and pretty wiry, and he always has been. He said, yeah, I was offensive lineman. And I kind of really? laughed, and he said, he said, the game's not what it used to be. you know. And, oh, and it used yeah. to be that a guy could say, yeah, I'm pretty tall. I'll be a lineman because I can push people around with my long arms. And it's, just, it's not that game anymore. But there's yeah. no reason you can't say, let's get a whole bunch of just real athletic, quick guys that can just push someone for three seconds, and that's all you need to do. Huh, maybe we should maybe we should apply to be coaches somewhere. Get this offense in play. All right, one step ahead of you. How do you recruit a guy like that? Because Chase Hands was like a quarterback, right? How do you find a quarterback and be like, "Hey, come be an offensive lineman at Kansas State with me, and we're going to win a national championship." Because, you did because you're not you're not going to be a traditional offensive lineman. You're gonna we're going to hike the ball, and you're going to run around. I don't know. It's be <laughs> something. You're going to run backwards while we run. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. You're not going to be a lineman. <laughs> So you'd be an offensive lineman your so, your freshman and, and sophomore year, and then you can be a, a quarterback after that and, and yeah. come yeah see how that. All works right, out. any other any other All questions? Right. Next question. Uh, well, I'll, I'm going to switch the order on these because there's a sports and then a non-sports one. Actually, we're transitioning from sports. Anything football we need to wrap up? No, we, I think we covered, covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's switch to basketball. We've got rivalry game coming up. Utah BYU men's basketball. What are you looking for? What do you think is going to happen, and why? You know, it's uh, it's interesting with Utah basketball because <clears throat> the last four years we've just turned over players every year, like started the new roster basically. This year is the first year we haven't done that since the J- Jakob Pertl, Kyle Kuzma, DeLon Wright years five or six years ago, right? So um, <clears throat> we, we have the, most of our guys back from last year. Last year we were mediocre. We'd finished around 500 in the Pac-12. Um, but we've got a lot of the same guys back, and we have a newcomer named Pella Larson. He's a uh, he's a six foot three or six foot four, I think, guard from 
from Sweden, and he just is so polished. Like, I've watched the two games we've played. I've only seen him play these two games. He just looks like a guy that's totally in control with what he's doing, and he always makes the best play and decision for that moment. Like, everything he does, like, dude, that's that, that looked beautiful. That didn't look – he's not flashy. He's not super, super athletic, but he's just he's just in control. Um, and so he's the X factor, I think, because I know you guys lost a lot of players from last year. You had four or five seniors. They're gone. And I don't think I don't know if you're as good this year or not. That's the thing is it's so unknown because it's still so early, right? On who the teams are, but I, I think uh, I think it's going to be a. I, I could see it going either way. I could see Utah going down there and uh, and winning, and I can see BYU winning. And it just, dude, it's funny because since we're not in the same conference, it just doesn't have the same juice. Like back in the Mountain West days when it was, you know, 2000s and early, you know, early 2000s, it it had a lot of juice, man, and it was it had a lot of. Ex, uh, Energy, and I think part of it is because we wouldn't play till later in the season anyway. We get all the football season in, we get all the non-conference crap out of the way, and then it was conference games, and they mattered, right? So now that we're yeah. playing like first, second week of the season, it just doesn't have any juice to it. So I, I don't know what to expect, man. I, I think we've got we've got a good point guard, Rylan Jones, who is his, he's a, he's a little fellow, but he's he's really heady. We have uh, Timmy Allen, who's an undersized forward as a four, but he's he's got a good post game. He can't really shoot the outside shot, but he's got a good post game. We got athletic seven footer Brandon Carlson that uh, he he causes a lot of problems. He led that led the league in blocks last year. Good on the defensive end, and then like I said, my man Pella Larson from from Sweden, who's who's the X factor. That I don't know. I could see us. I could see us going there, winning by five to eight. I could see us losing by five to eight. I really don't know what to expect. Here's the other thing I miss about the Mountain West days is there was always a rematch. It was a home and home. Yeah. Which which yeah. that dynamic just adds so much to the rivalry. And yeah. for as much as people like dog on the rivalry, that was fun. You know, it, it was. was fun to be like, okay, you beat us by five, but watch out next week or three weeks from now, whatever. You know, it, it there was never finality. And you know. The thing, if you like sports, you like rivalries. Like I, I get that it's cool to be like, oh, we don't need that game anymore. And I'd be saying the same thing if I was in P five and you weren't P five. But it gets old because that was fun. And if you don't think that was fun, why are you a sports fan? Yeah. I mean, it was fun to say we have a home and home, and then a possibility of facing each other in the conference tournament. I mean, those, yeah. those were good days. I'm not those saying we fun, all got to go back, but that was a cool aspect. No, I of agree a hundred percent, man. It, it, you can see how much this league changed for Utah has his taken off the basketball rivalry it hasn't really the football rivalry because it's still there's only 12 games it's a football game it's like it's football's king so there's still a lot of juice behind it but with with basketball it's like it's it's nowhere near what it was and part of it is utah's been crappy the last four or five years um and then before that we were good really good for two years but before that we were crappy for five years and so there hasn't been Back-to-back years where we're both good, both battling, creating some some uh, you know some hype for it. So I don't know. It'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens. What are your thoughts? From the BYU side, you're right. I feel like BYU basketball is sort of like Utah football this year. We've got, I mean, I'd mentioned before, if Utah football was 130 out of 130 in offensive production replaced. And BYU basketball, they brought back Barcelo, who was a contributor, and that's it. I mean, I, I don't know that they have a real contributor other than him who has experience. And he's having himself a great season. I think I saw he's some like number 42 in the nation in win shares or, or something like that. And, and uh, you know, his, and that's the weird thing is everybody's playing an uneven number of games. So maybe you can't read too much into the statistics, but he's he's an elite player on the national level. 
Um, or no, maybe it was he was number two in the nation with 42 points per game. I don't know what it was. Anyway, he's he's doing really well metrically when you compare him to, to guys on the national level. Um, what I've been really impressed with is Loner. Uh, I'd mentioned before, I don't really get too caught up in the recruiting because you just you never know who's going to be the recruit that pans out and that who doesn't. But I know his recruitment was interesting because he committed to Utah and then decided to go to BYU. And I'm really happy with what I've seen from him that he's getting meaningful minutes experience. I mean, he's a starter. He's contributing. He's a starter. Oh, he does start? And he's brand new. I believe he's a starter. Huh. I mean, he's he's out there. I, I don't I – got to be honest, I haven't watched any basketball games start to finish yet. But I've tuned in to most of the games at some point, and he's on the floor all the time. You know, huh. I mean, he's he's a stud. I like what I see from him. He's gonna get better. Like he, I it wouldn't shock me to see BYU lose this one and and to maybe get embarrassed a little bit. But I like where they're going. Here's what I like though: if BYU <clears> does <throat> succeed, it's because last year was Mark Pope's first year, and having a you know a, a full an extra recruiting cycle, the program being built and shaped the way he wanted. I'm expecting bigger and better things from him from a coaching standpoint. So I, I don't know. It's a toss-up. I, I think we're worse than we were a year ago, but I don't know if it's a huge drop-off. That's that's what yeah. I'm excited to see. You know, I just realized I, I, I've got an, another inside source when it comes to this. My my friend yeah. is is Chris Burgess. He's a, an assistant coach at BYU. He was my next-door yeah. neighbor in Bountiful for a year when he was the coach at Utah, right? So, okay. so I still text him periodically and check and things are going and – so uh, I'm going to text him and see what he thinks about this matchup and see what he thinks. But yeah, here, here's the thing yeah, about Utah. I, I can't say much about BYU because I, I just don't know much about BYU like I do about the BYU football team because football is king and I, I pay attention more, right? But right. with Utah, the big doc has been under Kristoviak is he cannot keep freaking players, right? He just yeah. can't. He came in, he rebuilt, he kicked everybody out, and then we had a couple-year run where we had three straight first-round NBA draft picks with Pirtle, mm-hmm. DeLon Wright, and Kuzma. But then after that, all of a sudden, we fell back to where we've been. I mean, we've won 20 games a season, which is not the same as it used to be. So we're not terrible, but we're not good enough to make the tournament, you know? And then the, yeah. the roster turns over. Now, I like how the roster is built because it's, A, built with local guys, Rylan Jones, mm-hmm. Olympus High School, Brandon Carlson from Bingham, uh, Jackson Brenchley from U- from Cache Valley. So local guys that aren't going to leave looking for greener pastures. So they're building it in college basketball now. It's either like you get the superstar one and done or you have to build mm-hmm. a team up and, and develop over the years. The way they're doing it now is they're building with good, solid pieces to where this team is going to be together for the next three or four years, right? So yeah. I think personally – and, and Larry's taking a lot of flack, a lot of it from me, because I grew up in the Majerus era. I, I, I saw excellence year after year. So I, I expect more. It's odd. I expect more out of the basketball team than I do out of the football team. But I love football mm. way more. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so I've been really harsh on Larry. But I feel like this team is being built the right way. And the next three or four years, we're going to be a really, really good team. Because we've got guys that are, are, are talented. They're local guys that aren't looking for greener pastures. And it mixed in with, with a couple international guys that are really skilled and really good. So I expect good things of Utah basketball over the next three years. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it'll be yeah. Good. It's I don't know. I Recruiting, you say... Uh, you know, in football, my team's success is your team's to your team's detriment. In basketball, I mean, I don't know. There's there's less roster spots to go around. Less you know, roster spots. Ways, classes are yeah. Classes are four people, three people. Yeah. Right. So in, it's in some ways it's it's great if both teams are great. You know, yeah. it, 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 it makes it fun. You look at the history of this rivalry. It's a lot closer. 
than the history of the football rivalry. I mean, yeah. we like Utah's got the football rivalry like sixty-one to thirty-five, whatever. Basketball, it's within like two or three games. It's like a hundred and twenty to one hundred and twenty-five, something like that. Like it's been really close, and there's been a lot of good teams over the years. So you're right, it's different. I don't have the same animosity and like I, towards BYU basketball as I do towards BYU football because I, it's like you mentioned. I don't think. BYU success negatively impacts Utah like it does in football, right? right. Like you, you can get two guys in a recruiting class and be a really good team and not like not lose out to you know to BYU and oh that's going to cost us like it does in football. Like I don't know. I think uh, I think your point is yeah. solid and I think there should be at least for both teams over the next couple of years some good teams. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking if you take just at the high school level, say you take the high school seniors and you take the five best players in the state and have them play the next five players in the state, that's not a blowout. You know, that's a competitive game. And, yeah. and that's why I think there's room for everybody to be successful. I, uh, I do want to point out, football, when we went independent, I thought as long as we get to play the best teams in the Mountain West, I don't need to play the rest of them because we won't have to wonder how would we have done had we stayed in the Mountain West. So I love, you know, still playing Boise State, San Diego, San Diego State, Wyoming sometimes, Utah State sometimes, and, and just knowing, okay, here's about where we would be hypothetically if we're in the Mountain West. Using that same property, the fact that we just beat Utah State, who had just won the Mountain West in basketball the year before, that they're not a bad basketball uh, conference. You know, they well, usually well, have yeah. some some great teams. Well, so I agree I with that you. Was a great win. Well, I agree with you. Utah State did lose their once in a generation player, though. Sam Merrill, but they beat them last NBA. year too. So yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's hard to in basketball, especially in my opinion, it's hard to compare year to year because. You lose three guys. Yeah. You, that's your whole roster, dude. It's like, it's, right, right. It's pretty crazy. Anyway, that's enough basketball yeah. talk for this football podcast. What's our last? Right. Uh, what's our last final question, question from? Oh, and I didn't even point out that was from Bones Johnson. That question about basketball from Utah Man eighty four Bones Johnson eleven. Okay. Okay. Uh, Bones. Final question from Andrew Zog at Zogute. What's the best place you've ever lived, and why is it bountiful? Yes. <laughs> best place you're, you're it's, it's, hard, it's hard to say because it's uh, this is a this is a tough one because there's things i like about everywhere i've lived right um yeah and bountiful is where i live now and the reason i like it now is because i'm in the prime of my life with my family and my kids you know i'm still healthy enough to mountain bike and play pickleball but i'm also responsible enough to raise a teenage daughter well that's debatable i guess but the, the the point remains. Like I'm in the I've got a lot of things going for me right now. So like my life is it in its prime. Um, so bountiful. I, yeah, I'd have to say bountiful. I love bountiful, man. It's close enough to Salt Lake where you can get there in ten minutes if you need anything. But as of yet, anyway, the traffic is not nearly as bad. Although that's changing with all these freaking Californians moving in. Like it's getting pretty crowded everywhere in this <laughs> state. Is. But yeah, bountiful would have to be the number one place I've lived. Number two would have to be Juneau, Alaska. Because I was a teenager and carefree and no, I had no worries in the world, right? You just hung out with your friends. You went to school. We played football. Uh, we played sports. And that was, that, was, that was number two. Number three would be uh, Salt Lake City. I grew up by Shriners Hospital until I was an early teen. So that would be number three. Those are my top three. What about you? You know, uh, Bountiful is up there. I'm going to point out the good and the bad about Bountiful. The good, the morning I moved to West Bountiful, I woke up the next morning 
And it was cows that woke me up because I moved somewhere where we still had cows across the street from us, just there on 1200 West and West Bountiful. And I thought, man, that is so cool. Now, that was, those cows are long gone now. But to be able to work in downtown Bountiful, live in West Bountiful where I can still smell manure, and then within 10 <laughs> minutes be in downtown Salt Lake, that's, that's a perfect combination. I love yeah. mixing all three of those. Because, I mean, people knock on the manure smell. I grew up with the manure smell. I grew up around the farms in Box Elder County, and that is, that's a good smell. That's home to me. There's I like manure. There's something rev- invigorating about this farm smell. I'm not even kidding you. I yeah. didn't grow up around farms. But when you're out on the farm, it's like, dude, I'm free, man. This open space. I get it. Yeah. So that's what I like about it. Uh, what I don't like and one of the reasons we left, uh, and I mentioned this off air last time, my daughter, when she was a baby, almost died from meningitis. Now, part of that was she had her lungs filled with fluid, and at three months old, I mean, it was really, really a close call. Well, one of the lingering side effects from that was as a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, she suffered from asthma. And it was asthma that really worried me. I thought, like, not only I thought she was going to die from the meningitis, but anytime she'd get a cold or anytime there was inversion, and she just she struggled to breathe. And so did a lot of research on that, on, on how she can breathe better. And there's evidence out there that says you really should be living five miles away from a freeway if you can. And in Bountiful, that means like way up like the canyon, right? You can't really get five miles away from a freeway no matter where you go. And a lot of Utah's like that. And so I, re- I recognize our audience. I don't want to tell everyone in our audience you're living in a terrible place. But man, oh man, I love that about Alaska. I love that like they're just, it's trees around us. It's not cars. And it yeah. just feels like you really feel connected to the earth. And so in so many ways, I, I mean, if I can say the whole state of Alaska, because I live in a part that's uh, inland, you know, we're not by the ocean, but if I can include those road trips we take to the ocean to go catch salmon, to go see the mountains, I mean, this place, there's nothing like it in the whole world. It's, I really feel at home here. Um, Good, we'll man. Say Bountiful. Glad, glad where you're at. You're happy where you're at. Yeah. B- Bountiful's up there. I like Bountiful. If you're going to be in Utah, it's not a, it's not a bad place. Uh, Southern Germany, I, I gotta go there for the other places because in, in some ways it's like the European version of what I just described. When you get out in those small towns and you cool, see yeah. the Alps and you have just like these long haired cows walking around, it's like, <laughs> it's just, you feel like you're in a fairy tale. So I, I had the privilege of living in Southern Germany for two years in my church service and, uh, I would not mind living there again. I, I love- in fact, I, I tried to join the military in dental school just on a hope and a prayer that I could live in Germany again. But right. they I've had five knee surgeries and the military said, no, you're going to take out a lot of student loans instead of joining the military. So here I am. Uh, I love Europe, man. That's uh, yeah. like uh, Italy, the, 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 in Florence, just the same type of thing, dude. You, you're out of, when you, when you get out of the city of Florence up in the hillside, just to be in the countryside and just as beautiful. Oh, I love Europe. Anyway, we could go on and on. Yeah. But we've already droned on for 90 minutes. So, 90, we are, oh man, we're going to wrap coverage. this baby up, man. Any, any other last minute thoughts before we close this? No, I'm, I, man, life is good. Even when it's bad, life is good. Yep. Life is good. Appreciate the Christmas season and a chance to reflect on the birth of our Savior. Not to get too religious here, but you know, I think most people listen to are Christian, right? So the birth of our I Savior so. in this time of year where you can give and be kind, uh, be good. The last people. I checked, this was America. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it is. Last you checked. Pull back there a little bit, but yeah. 
Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, I Give guess if there's, if there's nothing else, then uh, go Utes. Go Cougs.